This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Matt is off this morning and will be back on Monday, but happy Friday. Hallelujah. It's the weekend. All right. Can't wait for that. Hey, interesting story here. Um, If you want to lose weight, how about playing Tetris? In what may be the best news of the day, a new study published in Addictive Behaviors finds playing Tetris for just three minutes reduces cravings by an average of 20%. Mike, do you play Tetris? I have played a few games of Tetris. Have you noticed that your cravings have reduced? (laughs) No, I did not (laughs) notice that. Yeah, so interesting. It says, over one week, psychologists prompted 31 participants, ages 18 to 27, which you would feel uh, be in a mic, to report cravings for food and drink and activities, including how strong those cravings were. Of those 15 participants were told to play three minutes of Tetris in between and report back. The result, playing Tetris... decreased craving strength from 70% to 56%. Cravings for what? What Anything like food or drink, drugs, anything. Anything that you crave. Playing Tetris, so it could help you lose weight if you like crave... fat food, I guess. But craving involves imagining the experience of consuming a particular substance or indulging in a particular activity. It's hard to imagine something vividly and play Tetris at the same time. That's so interesting. Right? How Isn't they, that interesting? How did they come up with that? Or why? Do they know why? They just say that, uh, yeah, playing the game and Craving something just can't happen, I guess, simultaneously. That's and it, apparently it, it's, the effects uh, didn't wear off. And it said researchers were so impressed that they hoped to test the theory on people with drug addictions. Isn't that interesting? I don't know. Sometimes they have, you think people have too much time on their hands to research <laughs> kind of crazy things like that, right? And this was a, a very interesting story. LeBron James. So oh, he has 23.2 million followers on Twitter. Do you tweet? Yeah, I've got tweet? a Twitter. That okay. is a lot of That's, followers. How many followers do you have? Uh, like 60 maybe. There you go. That's go follow good. me at Mike W. Pond on Twitter. Maybe I'll get some more. <laughs> 23.2 million. That is crazy. Well, anyway, so if you want LeBron James to tweet out your product, something about your product, expect to pay about $140,000 if he agrees to do it. So this company called Open Doors that specializes in executing and monetizing digital and social media campaigns for athletes, says a tweet from James has the highest value of any U.S. athlete. Wow. Well, yeah, I I can't think of anyone, any athlete that has more followers. Right. I wonder what Tiger Woods is. I'll check right now. Kobe. Yeah, check that. I bet those those two are pretty high. But anyway, they're saying that the value of a LeBron t- tweet is worth $140,000. They say it would cost you five times more to reach that many people with a TV ad. So to reach $23 million, just pay 140000 And then what were you talking about, Terry, with the retweets? Well, I mean, when Le- LeBron James has 23 million followers. Right, right. So he'll retweet something. Mm-hmm. Or no, he whenever he puts out a someone he puts out something on Twitter and then all of his followers retweet. You look and it just the most mundane thing has forty one thousand retweets. Isn't that crazy? So all these people saw it and they they decided I'm going to share that. So they tap it. So a, a marketer looks at that and they're like, well, if he puts that out and the same thing I've seen his sponsored tweets as they call these, uh-huh. he puts that out and they get 
another 41,000 people or so that retweet that. So all those people see it. And so you, all of a sudden it's distributed to millions of millions people within millions, minutes. way more than 23 million. Just to answer your quick question here, uh, Kobe Bryant only has 7 million followers. 7 million. And Tiger Woods has four or about almost 5 million. So 22 million. Is that I mean, amazing? Wow. More than double. That is more amazing. More than quadruple that is, Tiger. Yeah. That's at 23.2. I don't know. In the you same, tweet Terry, by the way? Uh, yeah. Sort yeah, of. Yeah, I, I usually more just read mm-hmm. than actually yeah, send, then, something then out, send something out. Right. But whenever I see someone that sends out something like, "Hey, I really enjoy this product," they're obviously you know it's a sponsored like situation. Right. Sure. I go in and unfollow them. That's Do not you really? that, that's not what I'm looking at Twitter for. Yeah. I don't want to be sold to. I use a specific app that's not from Twitter because Twitter has started putting uh, like advertisements Sponsored. in there, mm-hmm. right? And I hate those. Stuff yeah. in your so yeah. I you, I pay I pay a couple bucks get this other. Uh, other app that I use, and it has no advertisements in it. So. Yeah, oh, there's advertisements advertisements everywhere. That's what drives me crazy. You can see anything. You, I mean, you, you watch a game, and you see the you know where the scoreboard is, and you yeah. see the ads going there. Yeah. You watch a baseball game, you see the ads behind the Constantly. batter. Constant, yeah. yeah, it's always in there. Well, coming up uh, this hour, uh, we're going to talk about a controversial topic of women and mixed martial arts. Have you watched the an MMA fight before? Well, Ronda Rousey uh, has certainly put the sport for women on the map. And we're going to talk with Utah MMA fighter Erica Grover. She's going to talk and tell us what it felt like to win her first professional fight that she won earlier this year. And she won it in the first round. So, I don't know, that MMA fighting, what do you think? Crazy. Go for it. I, I can't imagine to me. Boxing to me... Anyway, I've never cared for boxing, but to get people in the ring with hardly anything on their hands, they're just trying to I, beat the holy bejeebers out of people. It's actually it. safer because the Re- the idea isn't to give your opponent a concussion. Uh-huh. It's to make your opponent Tap quit. out, right. Okay. Right? So right. You, in that respect, it's safer than boxing. you to tear a limb off instead of Well, all you have to do is, <laughs> is stop and your limb won't be torn off, right? So it's a matter of you yeah, got to- yeah. I'd be tapping out pretty darn You got to know when to though. call it quits. Oh, I know. That's crazy. Well, that's going to be a really interesting discussion. I, uh, and also, I, I want to ask her her thought on Ronda Rousey saying that she could beat uh, Floyd Mayweather in uh, an MMA fight. Not boxing, but MMA. So yeah. we'll see what she has to say about that. But first, let's go to Terry with the headlines. Breaking rank with an organization he helped uh, launch. Jeb Bush told reporters Thursday he doesn't think the term anchor babies is offensive. He said, do you have a better term? You give it to me and I'll I'll use that instead. One person willing to share some suggestions with Hillary Clinton, who tweeted, how about babies, children, or American citizens? Because those those terms will also fit for the people that are being labeled as anchor babies. It's a term that's been used to refer to people who come to the U.S. without documents and give birth to their uh, child so they can have citizenship. The Hispanic Leadership Network, a group working to increase the support for the GOP among Latino voters, has told Republican lawmakers to uh, discussing immigration reform to avoid terms like anchor babies, illegals, and aliens. Bush helped launch the organization, uh, the Washington Post reports, and is still listed on its website as a member of the National Advisory Board. Donald Trump was asked about his use of the term of anchor babies. You said that you have a big heart and, and that you're not mean-spirited. Are you aware that the term anchor baby, that's an offensive term. People find that. You mean it's not politically correct and yet everybody uses it? So you know what? Give me a different term. Give me a different term. What else would you like to say? The American-born child of an undocumented. Oh, you want me to say that? Okay. I said, no, I'll use the word anchor baby. Excuse me. I'll use the word anchor baby. Trump being Trump. That's, oh how you, that's how you handle things, I yes. guess. Donald Trump on the cover of Time magazine this week. He's quoted in regards to the uh, next Republican presidential debate 
uh, which is on uh, what CNN September 16th in the Reagan Library and Ca- Library Library in California. Trump mused, as it says in the uh, the copy I was reading. Here's my question: So if I go to CNN and say, "Look, you're going to have a massive audience," and if I say to them, "I want 10 million for charity, nothing for myself," what happens? I'm not showing up, right? My I'm not showing up unless you give me 10 million to cancer. To this, to that. You pick 10 great chair. It's so hard to read Donald Trump oh. verbatim. It's so, I mean, that's verbatim. He's he all, over, all the over the place. So yeah. basically he's saying, pay me 10 million. The reason you're going to get huge ratings, just like Fox did a couple weeks ago, is because I'm man. there. If oh. I'm not there, no one's watching. Right. 10 million. I will give it to 10 different charities. It'll look great for everybody. Oh my goodness. That's Donald Trump. So he's not officially asking. He just he's sort just of yeah. tossed that idea yeah. out there. Yeah. What do you think? Toss I don't it. know. Throw it. He thinks it's a, it's a, it's a possibility. Well, everything is a possibility in his mind. Three U.S. Uh, forest, fi- forest Service firefighters were killed Wednesday battling one of 15 wildfires in Washington. The fire was racing and the winds were blowing in every direction, and then it would just shift, a local county sheriff said, who called the fire a hellstorm. As many as four other firefighters were injured, it took more than 200 firefighters and 20 aircraft with support from Canada to contain the 20% of that specific fire. More than 235,000 acres of the state have been burnt so far. More than 26,000 firefighters, 200 soldiers are fighting these blazes. Currently there's... uh, Let's see. The governors of Washington and Oregon have requested President Obama declare a federal emergency. Here's Oregon Governor Kate Brown, who's taking further action. I am activating Oregon National Guard's men and women to begin training to fight Oregon fires. Uh, we anticipate about 120 soldiers will begin their training immediately. So uh, as part of the fires raging across the West, there are anywhere from 80 to 90 fires yeah, right now. Just devastating. Very and sad. We're here in the... Uh, kind of Provo, Salt Lake City area, right. and you just see the haze of the smoke, smoke across the valley. Yep. It's, that's uh, The wind has blown this far west. Right. Um, an explosion significantly damaged a high school in the Bronx. Did you hear about this? Did not. An explosion last night. There were some uh, utility workers who were in working on some gas lines. The uh, About 8 p.m., there was an explosion on the 5th and 6th floor. The fire department said three workers were hurt. One was reported in critical condition. The other two suffered serious but not non-life-threatening injuries. Mm. Um, they said they were working on a gas line, but that they don't – they say that they determined that the explosion was not from a gas line. Okay. They were, they were installing or building out some new science labs mm-hmm. in the school on the fifth and sixth floor of the school, and it just – blew out the two floors but they said it had nothing to do with the work they were doing apparently at the moment it's Mm. still under investigation the uh, classes start there september 9th so they're looking at the structure of the building to see if they can actually open the doors and bring people in so a retired postal worker in germany stumbled upon what is believed to be the oldest known message in a bottle ever found the artifact thrown into the north sea roughly 108 years ago by the uh, britain's marine biological association was discovered by uh, Marianne Winkler in April, she was walking with her husband inside the bottle, an outward facing paper that instructed them to break the bottle inside instructions on where to send a oh, notification. And they said, we will send you a shilling if you. So how far did it travel? Did um, it, 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 I think it just kind of floated around England because that's yeah. where they kind of, uh-huh. that's where they found it. And, uh, they said they put, uh, what was this? Where was the 1906, an attempt to chart deep sea currents. They tossed in, uh, multiple bottles, almost all of the bottles were recovered months afterwards. This one, of course, floated around for 108 years. Oh, wow. And uh, the people returned the bottle, and the association sent them a shilling. 
That's all? Yeah. Well, that's what it said in the bottle. Oh. <laughs> it said you get a shilling. I think they should have adjusted oh. for inflation. But... Did you see the man that found those uh, uh, Spanish gold coins just off the coast of that's uh, right. it was Florida? Like two to five million, something like yeah. that. Yeah. And it was just barely off the, you know, where yeah. people were just sunbathing. It was crazy. Yeah. It was just, you know, I don't know, maybe 100 feet offshore and you just walk out feet of water. It was crazy. Bring yeah. in a fortune. Yeah. yeah. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Well, thanks, Terry. Uh, stay with us because coming up next, we're going to talk about the world of women's MMA fighting. What do you think about that? What do you think about women fighting in that particular sport? Well, MMA mama Eric Grover won her first professional fight this year, and she's going to talk to us about how she won. And we're going to ask if she thinks Ronda Rousey could beat a man. Pretty sure she could beat up Matt. I don't know. That's coming up next on the Matt Townsend Radio Show right here on BYU Radio. Back to the Matt Townsend Show. Kathy Aiken filling in for Matt. Love that rocky music. Women's MMA fighting is what we're going to be talking about in this next segment. It's grown by leaps and bounds over the past few years. Once a male-dominated sport, women have really taken to the sport in huge numbers. And one of those is Utah's own Erica Grover. She's a stay-at-home mother, which I think is the hardest job in the world. And with a very busy schedule in the home, she's also found time for a new passion, MMA fighting. Erica, welcome to the program. Thanks. Thanks for having me. MMA fighting. Tell us exactly what that means for people who have never heard of it. So MMA fighting, it stands for mixed martial arts. It's um, been around for quite some time. It's mm-hmm. it's becoming quite popular, like Huge. you said. Yeah. And um, it can incorporate any type of martial art, um, combat, karate, jiu-jitsu, judo, boxing, grappling, wrestling. Are there any rules? There are rules. What are the rules? There are actually a lot of rules. A lot of people think it's like a no-holds-bar kind mm-hmm. of bar fight sort of a thing. Right, yeah. But there are lots of rules, especially as a pro. I'm a pro fighter, and so there are lots of rules. You can't hit in a certain region of the head. It has to, You have to make sure, you know, because they want to protect you. Mm-hmm. You can't hit in the spine. No biting, no eye gouging. I mean... No groin shots. So, I mean, there's a lot of rules. Okay. It's, in Utah, it's we have a commission, so we make sure that it's legal. We have medicals. We have blood tests. We have a rough inside with us in right. the cage. Uh-huh. So. In the cage. That's what's so bizarre to me. You're in a cage. You can't escape. What do you have on your hands? Because obviously in the boxing ring, you have the padded gloves. Right. Uh, at, but what do you have in the ring as an MMA fighter? As an MMA fighter, you have four-ounce four mm-hmm. um, MMA gloves, so your fingers are exposed as in Boxing, you have they're kind of like mitts, right? Um, and you have a mouthpiece, okay? A mouth it. guard. That's it. That's it. And women can't protect themselves in certain areas. Nope. Okay. I, you know, I've seen an MMA fight, and it seems like they, I've seen them hit in the head. What if you do get hit in the head? Do they, they don't stop it? I they, would assume you they'll get, give you a warning. A warning. And if okay. It's significant, and they can tell that if it was on purpose, they'll okay. actually take a point away from you, which could usually makes you lose that round. You okay. don't want that. No, you don't want that. How many rounds? Um, as a pro fighter, it's three ma- um, three minute rounds, five minutes. As an amateur, it's three minutes. Okay. So you and those five minutes, I tell you, Seems I like can forever. run. I'll run like twelve <laughs> miles, no problem. Uh-huh. But if I'm in there, we'll do three minute rounds at my gym for sparring, mm-hmm. and you're dead tired. Wow. Because you're getting pushed up against the cage, you're getting laid on, and um, I train with a few girls, but mo- my team is mostly men, and so I get to sit there and 
get hit and spar yeah. with men, which wow. helps me, I think. Real curious, how did you get into this? Did you watch a match and you said, I want to do that? Or I'm curious as to why a woman would want to get in there and, and do that. <laughs> I get that asked all the time. I'm a very competitive person. Mm-hmm. I also like trying new things. Um, growing up, I played sports. I also did a lot of karate. I'm a second degree red belt in karate. And wow. so I just really, and I had four brothers and they like to wrestle. And I just wanted to make sure that I could do what they did. I like, I'm a strong headed, independent woman. And so I started looking at MMA when I was in high school. I really liked it. And then when I moved back here from California, MMA is really big in Utah Mm -hmm. and there was MMA gyms everywhere. Uh So it allowed me to be able to incorporate that in my schedule. And I was really excited about that. It it really helps you get into um, shape. And as a mom of three kids, that's an awesome way to get into shape. Take your stress out on the bag and Mm -hmm. not at home. At home. I was going to say, when you walk in that door at home, you have to completely change right into the motherhood role. Yes. How is it to turn that off and to be the nice, loving mother of three kids? (laughs) Well, I mean, so this morning I had a great experience and I thought, oh, it's perfect to share with you. Um, (laughs) Last night I got home super late from training. I was really sore. I have a neck crank kind of going on at my my neck and I was just so tired and I knew I had to come in this morning. Um, Two o'clock rolls around. My son comes in with a bloody nose just everywhere. Mm. And then the power goes out. At 4.30, my kids come in and they've already woken up because they're awake because the house is hot. The power's out. Can't curl my hair. My kids are getting ready for school. I'm tired. I can barely move my neck. Um, And I'm supposed to be this nice mom, you know, which I feel like I am. Uh But I need to turn it off and say, okay, I'm not tired. I need to be this mom. I need to make sure that they're okay. And before I go and train, I train a lot. Um, I have to make sure dinner's done, homework's done, take them places. And then, you know, it actually helps me be a better mom because I think it's a great stress reliever. Mm-hmm. And True. so when I come back home, I am ready to be that mom oh, because great. I've That's already... That's kind of your me time and you're able to yes. get out frustrations In and fact, things, they right? have a little cage at the gym that's mm-hmm. just for children if you want to come oh. in. My gym is amazing. It's Factum Gym. They are very family friendly. Um, but I don't want to bring my kids there. Yeah. I don't. It's my gym, my place, my mm-hmm. my place to go and do my thing. And right. I think everybody should have their thing. Right. Because I think they become better parents to their children if they have their own time. I agree with that. I do. I, I, as a mother, I needed that time as well. And I do, especially for me, it's exercise or running, right. getting those endorphins going. And I do. Mm-hmm. I think I'm much more patient in that kind of thing. How old are your children? I have an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 5-year-old. And what do they think about you fighting? <laughs> they think it's awesome. Uh, yesterday, we went to kindergarten garden assessment for my son and they said what's your name my name's Jonas and my mom's a boxer <laughs> I mean and they kind of look I at him and he's that. like she was on tv that's kind of how they talk you uh-huh. know, they, and it's nice but at the same time I'm like but I'm a nice person yeah I'm, that's the thing is people think oh she must be really mean mm-hmm. I am competitive and that's right. what you need to be you mm-hmm. don't have to be a mean person mm-hmm. to win in the cage you are competitive it's just you're an athlete you're competitive and that's the point the point isn't to hurt somebody it's to submit your your opponent for a win, mm-hmm. just like tackling in football. Okay, because I'm, I'm thinking of a Ronda Rousey match, and she, to me, <laughs> when you see her, it looks like she is out to really hurt someone. Right. But she does the arm bar thing. Yes. Talk about that, and I think, isn't that her big, that's her big strategy, Her uh, arm bar. She strategy, runs a lot by right? arm bar. Yes. yes. Which is what? Tell people what that is. An arm bar is a submission in jiu-jitsu where you submit your opponent by taking their arm and straightening it out and kind of hipping up, pulling their arm kind of hyperextending right right um and lots of people think well that's just mean well so is tackling you know Mm -hmm. and the thing is is in this sport you are allowed to tap if you don't want to break your arm my my intention is never to break somebody or to maim them for life right but it's their choice as an opponent to either tap 
or get their arm broken, yeah. you know? So, I mean, they have oh my that goodness. choice. Yeah. Now, what about, I've seen them too do like leg lock over, like literally like you're strangling them or something. Right. Is that, what is that? Um, there's there's chokes. There's all sorts of submissions. Mm-hmm. You can do a rear naked choke. There's a Darce choke and all those neck cranks. And all of those are to make your opponent tap. Tap out. Right. right. Say, I'm done. Uh-huh. Help me. Help right. me. So talk about your first professional fight okay. and how that went. Mm-hmm. You, I understand you won in the first round. I did. So, you see, I know that Ronda Rousey, she, I mean, she just goes out there and she, I mean, she gets these women to submit, it seems like, within seconds. Right. I don't even know if she's gone into a second round. She Maybe. hasn't. She has not. Mm-hmm. And she's 12 and 0. So what was your strategy going into your match? So I'm no Ronda Rousey. <laughs> I will no never one else, claim no to one be. Is. Yeah. Right. But um, I always have strategy going in. You always kind of have a game plan. Mm-hmm. And so I studied my opponent watch videos of it and um, a lot of women who are you know we are aggressive we are an aggressive um, people like right. women are like we're aggressive right but we don't pull hair that's the funny thing <laughs> that like, another oh, it's no a cat pull. fight oh. no you go in with a plan and that's what I did I went in with a plan I knew what I wanted to do I kept it at that I relaxed and I am known for my striking I hit pretty hard. Mm-hmm. In fact, my amateur I had an amateur boxing match a couple of weeks before my first pro fight and I broke the girl's nose, oh, her hello. occipital lobe and collapsed oh, my her eardrum. Word. With so, a kick or with your hand? With my hand. With your hand. Okay. And that was with headgear. So I knew I was confident, so I just wanted to keep it standing. I wanted to show her my power so mm-hmm. that she knew and respected that. And she yeah, did. Yeah, she did. Yeah. <laughs> she can't breathe anymore, but that's okay. <laughs> did you ever feel bad and go, oh my, I'm sorry I broke your nose? Oh my you goodness. You can't feel bad, right? I felt bad. Did you feel I, bad? Okay. When I found out that I called her and tried to make sure she was okay. Um, I said, I want to take our cookies. I, I mean, I'm still, it's just <laughs> that's funny. Your mom, that's your mom part kicking yes, in, right? Yes, I felt okay. so bad. And my coaches were like, look, if you're going to feel bad like this, this is yeah. probably not the sport for you. Probably shouldn't go professional, so, right? Right. So yeah. I got an email from my opponent because I kept checking in on her. And she said, you know what? We both went in there with the same intention. Mm-hmm. We knew, we right. knew you what know was what gonna you're going to right? right? And she's like, you won. You were the better fighter. And it really made me mm. feel good. And now, you know, with my pro fight, I didn't feel bad at all. I knew what she needed to do. I knew what I needed to do. And I just came out the winner that night. It was a TKO, which means a, a technical knockout. Right. And afterwards, she wanted to buy me a drink. And she, I said, hey, buy my friend a drink. You can buy me a water. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so how did you beat her when you say TKO? What did, when you um, talked about the girl that you broke her nose, what, right. what happened this, in this one, one? I kind of had her on the ground. I, wanted, I, had, I had heard that she uh, might be easily submitted. So I told the ref before the fight, I said, hey, just let us fight. I had lots of friends come. I wanted to fight. So I kind of egged her on a little bit. People gave me, they said it was awesome. I kind of stuck my hand out and called her to me. Uh-huh. Um, and well, I had taunting. her up against the cage and I just kept punching her. Um, her eyes kind of rolled back and the ref called it because oh. he knew that she was going to be knocked yeah, out. So the it was eyes a rolling knockout. back is kind of, yeah, that's a sign. Yeah, better right. stop. Okay. <laughs> Very interesting. Okay. We're going to come back in just a minute. We're going to talk to Erica about Ronda Rousey, if she thinks she can beat a man, and if she recommends that other women get involved in the sport as well. That's coming up next on The Matt Townsend Show. Townsend Show. Right now we're talking about women and MMA fighting with Erica Grover from Utah. 
who won her first professional fight earlier this year. And we've been talking about Ronda Rousey, who really is the one that put women on the map as far as MMA fighting is concerned. And recently, Ronda Rousey talked about fighting boxing champion Floyd Mayweather. And here's what she had to say. I would drop down to the ground and crawl over to him as fast as I can. And mm-hmm. then I'd grab him by the I wouldn't even stand up. I wouldn't even be anywhere <laughs> oh, near him. So I would just do a, like a little army crawl over there. And he would have to run away. And I would just, I would just bear crawl over there. Just too low for him to hit me. And uh, I'd tackle him down. So, That's my so plan. Once- so, Erica, would that work? <laughs> uh, you know, I've been following this Mayweather-Rousey sort of competition. And I actually believe it would. In a no holds bar, no rules fight, I mm-hmm. believe Ronda Rousey would win. The reason why she wants to bear crawl is, look, I tech, boxing is a technical sport. Right. It's an amazing sport. Right. I have so much respect for it. I'm training boxing. My boxing coach is amazing. Um, but it's a very technical sport with lots of rules as well. And you can't do anything below the belt. You can't hit. You can't or you can hit, you can't kick, kick you can't right. submit. Mm-hmm. So her plan is amazing. I would get down low too, bear, bear crawl over. He wouldn't know what to do. Right. You know, he would not know what to do. I give that to Ronda Rousey 100%. Yeah. So you think she can beat men? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And some of the UFC fighters have said that she could probably beat men or themselves. Wow. She's she's what, 5'7", 135 pounds. So, I mean, she just rocks solid. She's amazing. And she is mean. I mean, seriously, <laughs> you know, you see she it. she's out of the ring. She seems angry. very nice. Yes, but she's you get her in that person. ring and she just, wow, it's over very quickly. Talk about um, what is your favorite move when you go in? I mean, what is the one move that you can do, you think, every time to get someone to submit? To submit? Uh-huh. My favorite move to submit would probably be uh, like a neck crank. Those okay. are some of my favorites. That's when you go behind somebody and get an arm and a neck in and you just... You do this gable grip and you just crank their neck. For me, oh it works a lot. <laughs> so is it's that why your neck favorites. is hurting now? Somebody got you in that move? Yeah, just, last night okay. we were rolling. Okay. I was rolling in jujitsu and, and somebody, somebody got, got me. You. But you know what? Okay. I tapped out three guys last night, so I'm fine. Did you really? <laughs> you tapped out three men. Yeah, it was fun. They tapped me out. I tapped them out. Jiu-jitsu isn't necessarily about strength. It's kind of a human chess match. Okay. So, I mean, you kind of flow with it, and it's, they make a move, and then you see where they are, and you make a move. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that sport, uh, jiu-jitsu. My favorite, if, my go-to move, though, in a fight is to, is to strike, is to hit them. Okay. I have strong, strong, strong hands. You look like you could hurt somebody. <laughs> I'm just telling you that right now. I wish Matt were here. I'd like to see you and Matt in the ring. That would be really That'd quite be fun. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Is is this a lucrative sport for women? Um, for women, it can be. Um, as an amateur, you don't get paid. As a professional, you get paid to fight. You get paid to fight. And so I get paid. You get percentages of ticket sales. Um, you have sponsors. So obviously, it could be as lucrative as, as you make it, as mm-hmm. you make your name. You know, yeah. you have to still train. You still have to make a name for yourself. And well, how you have you to do pay that. for you training, don't you? Yes. Or do you have sponsors? I have a sponsor that okay. um, helps pay for that. I have a nutritionist. And Nice. So it's nice. It's okay. nice to have sponsors like that. Yeah. But yes, it's I, it's a lucrative sport once you really dedicate yourself. Mm-hmm. It's just like any sport. You need to make sure that you're um, dedicating yourself and putting your na- making a name for yourself so people want to see you. Sponsors want to sponsor you. Yeah. So about how much can you share? How much you made on your first on your first win? Um, I believe my first win it was like three three fifty four hundred dollars, and then I won. So then I it was double that. Mm-hmm. Plus I think plus I got a per- yeah I got okay. a percentage of my tickets. And so where you fought was there a lot? How many people come to watch this? Um, I fight the promotion that I fought for was Still Fist, mm-hmm. and it's a big promotion here. They like to have a lot of new amateur fighters, but they definitely take care of their fighters. Mm-hmm. And um, they're amazing to fight for. They're big here. They support it. 
I'm sorry. What was your question again? Oh, I you say like how many people come to watch people, you? Uh, uh, like your, this match, this last one you had. How this many last people match, are there? Just for me mm-hmm. or everybody the, the in general? The whole thing, the whole event. Um, I believe there's it's you know between 1,500 and 2,000 people okay, that we can fill. Crowd. This new this one that's coming up in October, October 3rd. Mm-hmm. Um, it's their biggest fight of the the year. And so I'm really looking forward to fighting on that card. And so there'll be several different rounds, um, several different fights there's, throughout the day. Are, it's up to 20 bouts. Wow. And so they're going to be. And all t- women? Um, no, but there's a lot of women. I believe okay. there's four to five women on that card. Wow. And they're amazing fighters here in Utah. They're bringing in women. My opponent's from Iowa. So they're bringing in women for us. Oh, great. Um, and it's, it's super entertaining. It's a fun crowd. So I really like it. Uh, would I bring my kids? This is an all ages event. I would bring them to this. Mm-hmm. But. I like to have my kids watch it at home with me. Yeah. What about <laughs> compare this to WWE? Um, okay. Well, WWE, though they are talented actors uh-huh. and they can do a lot of things, uh-huh. it's scripted. Right. They're acting. Uh-huh. This is nothing compared to WWE. Right. This, these are real athletes, which I'm not saying the WWE ones aren't athletes, right. but you go in there and you're getting hurt. Uh-huh. If you're bleeding, it's real blood and you didn't plan on it. Right. If your nose is broken, it's not in the yeah, contract that good. you're going to break somebody's nose. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, I don't think it's like WWE at all. <laughs> What's the worst injury you've ever had? Oh, the worst injury I've ever had. I really, when I started doing this, I told my dad and he said, don't get hit in the face. And I said, well, that's the plan. I yeah, hope not that's to. that's the plan. And I really haven't had an injury yet. No major injury. It's just, injury. you know, sores. I'm, if you look right here, I have bruises mm-hmm. from last night. So it's mostly bruises, uh-huh. usually from my teammates, yeah. which is kind of funny. Everybody thinks, oh, wow, you must get, you know, hurt a lot. I said, well, we all get hurt a lot. But I've given my fair share of blo- uh, bloody noses and black eyes to the guys on my team. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Way to go. So what does your mom think of this? Um, my mom is Chinese Tahitian, and my grandpa grew up teaching um, Kung Fu. And so, and he loved Bruce Lee, so she thinks it's awesome. She still thinks that, uh, you know, be a lady, mm-hmm. be nice. And Don't so when my parents her. came to my first fight, uh-huh. <laughs> it was just funny to see them. There was a girl fight right before mine, and they were a, it was an amazing fight. And I looked out at the audience, kind of peeked through, and my mom was crying. Because she thought, I mean, this girl fight was all out. She was afraid that that was going to be you, right? Yes. And so they were really worried about it. But my mom, she she raised me to be a strong, independent woman. And so she was very supportive. My dad was a little hesitant just because I'm his daughter. Right. And he doesn't like having his daughter get hit in a cage. When that cage door closed, my brothers, too, they said, I don't know how I'm going to be able to take seeing somebody hit my sister. Yeah, you can't get out of there, right? Right. Yeah. And I understand that, but they've all been very supportive. Mm -hmm. So your next fight is in October. What Mm -hmm. do you hope to do with this down the road? What's a long-term vision of My you in this sport? My long-term goal is to take it as far as I possibly can. I am older, but in women's MMA, there are older women than there are on the men's side. Mm-hmm. And I would really love to fight for Invicta. Invicta is owned by UFC right now, and it's an all-women's oh. uh, organization. Okay. I would love to fight for them. And that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm trying to build my record, get well-known, more known here, mm-hmm. fight and build my record, and hopefully Invicta will see me and want me to fight for them. So you fight in October. Where? where what's after that? Is it um, into the next year? Or no, I have it... a, an MMA fight in October. Okay. I have a pro boxing. My very first pro boxing debut mm. fight will be in October. Okay. And hopefully we'll have a title fight set up sometime next early next year. My manager's amazing. His name's John Valentine. And he is is very big in women's MMA and supports it. And he's the one that's working on all that. Wow. I mean, women's MMA is becoming pretty Huge, big. yeah. yeah. Well, Ronda Rousey, I mean, she's obviously the one that's put this on the map. If there's no Ronda Rousey... 
right. do people know about women in MMA? Um, I think Ronda Rousey, she definitely has put this her name and women's MMA up front in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. But if you were a fan before of any wrestling or MMA in general, there's other women out there who are amazing. They just announced today that Ronda Rousey will be fighting Holly Holm. So Holly that, Holm mm-hmm. was a kickboxer turned boxer. She is an amazing boxer. Um, she's older and she's fighting Ronda Rousey. Um, Misha Tate, everybody knows who Misha Tate is. So I just think women in general are putting their names on there. Ronda Rousey, because of how amazing she is in her mm-hmm. skills and her skill set right. and what she's done, she's definitely put it more oh, yeah. of a spotlight on there. So you were to fight Ronda Rousey, would you just run around or what would you do? I don't know. <laughs> run around if so she I can't get you. I was going to fight Ronda Rousey, I would definitely try and avoid that arm bar. I would try and keep it standing, although her stand-up, her striking is amazing. She's known for her judo, which is throws, but her stand-up is amazing yeah. now. I just don't ever think I want to fight her. Yeah, no. I, I think so, too. I think your eyes would roll to the back of your head, I'm like most, your opponent, right. don't you think? Oh, I know. I think she would armbar me, for yeah, sure. Yeah, that would be it. Yeah, and yeah. probably... Well, who isn't going to tap out when you feel like your arm's going to snap in two? Right. And right? that's that's my biggest thing, is like, just just tap. Yes. Because I don't want to hurt you, but I will, Yeah, you know? just please hurry. Come on, don't make it worse. Yeah. So last question, what would you say to women out there who maybe, you know, think this isn't a sport that women should be involved in? Um, You know... I think everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I think that this is a great sport. Um, Mentally, it challenges you. Physically, it challenges you. It challenges you. I mean, you're basically naked out there showing everybody your weaknesses, what you can do. Mm -hmm. And it's a mental game. 90% of it, I feel, is mental. Right now, I'm currently cutting. And in my mind, when you're malnourished like this, it's all a mental game. You could be training. So I would just tell women, like, try it out. You never know. You know, I if you want to run, I admire marathon runners. If you want to run, go do that. But just try it out and see. Uh, you know, and it's this a great for you. Sister. This was it, a great thing for you, me, and it's really fit. been a great thing in your life. Yes, well, that's fantastic. Good luck in October. Well, thank you. Can't wait to follow you, Erica Grover, <laughs> MMA fighter and mother of three. All the best to you and your family. Thank and you. And your children especially. Thank you. Well, still to come, Rod Gustafson from, from ParentPreviews.com. He's going to give us the, his top five, his favorite movies for families, something you may want to watch this weekend. And then later on, we'll talk to the BYU Sports Nation guys, talk about BYU football. This is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Townsend Show here on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Matt Townsend is off today and we're back on Monday. What did you think of that interview, Terry? I, Erica Grover and MMA fighting for women. I'm, I'm amazed. I have all the respect in the world for women that can go do that. I have no desire to do that. No. I don't particularly care to watch it. But for someone but, that will go in yeah. there and, and train as hard as she does... I totally respect her. There, I think that's wonderful. There are times where we start labeling, this is something men do, this right. is something women exactly. do. Exactly. And there's no reason to have those labels. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, she can go do that and she, right. you know, be a mom be a and mom. have that experience, but then she can go do that. And as she talked about, it's a, it's an energy release, it's right. an emotional release, and she right. can focus on something, she can make herself better. Yeah. Right, exactly. So. And it was funny, talking to her off air, she talked about how in her church she she um, leads the music for children, and I can just picture her up there leading on, on Sundays and then Monday, you know, going in the ring and trying to break somebody's arm. So, yeah, yeah quite a different, yeah, kind quite of, different story. But, but it, there is kind of a mental shift, mm, obviously, where oh you're like, goodness. you have to yeah. all of a sudden become competitive. Oh, for sure. My, hey. uh, my wife lifts weights. Uh-huh. 
And she, at first you hear about lifting weights mm-hmm. and women are like, oh, I don't want to bulk up right. and stuff, but that's not how you bulk no, up. Not. And so she, my wife jumps in and starts lifting weights and all of a sudden she's like, oh my gosh, did you see what I just did? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. So Very now, empowering. now I don't call anyone to help move furniture. <laughs> I just grab my wife, we move it. Could your wife beat you up? No. Okay. But my, my father is very, very unhappy that I allow my wife to help me move furniture. She's like, he's like, you don't just have your wife grab the couch. And I go, yeah. dad, you're the that one that can't the pick up the couch. right? Yeah. And then, yeah. He, then he watched her and he's like, oh, I guess it's yeah, fine. Yeah, I guess she can. Good for her. I love to lift weights. I think that almost burns more fat sometimes in cardio. So I think that's oh, yeah. great. So, hey, a new study, interesting study came out today, published by the journal Lancet. said you may want to think twice about putting in overtime, right? Hmm. Hey, good one for us. Researchers say that working more than 40 hours a week can lead to an increased risk of strokes and heart attacks. Teams from University College in London studied over 600,000 people and found that those who worked between 41 and 48 hours a week had a 10% higher risk of stroke. And those who toiled away for up to 54 hours had a 27% increase. That's amazing. Mm. ABC News reported that even after controlling for behavioral risk like smoking and drinking alcohol, researchers found that there was a 33% increased risk of stroke for workers who put in more than 55 hours a week at the office. Wow. There's our excuse yeah. right there, right? Cut it off at 40. Yeah, cut it off at 40. I can't. Hey, I'm going to have a stroke. That's serious. That's, that's Those are amazing numbers. Those are, yeah, I can't believe I, that. I wonder how much of that's kind of the mental aspect of knowing you're working past whatever the traditional full-time hours exactly, are. Exactly, yeah. You're yeah. like, I'm working more here, and then you, there's stress sort yeah, of builds the a stress, bit. absolutely. That's what they talked about was the stress. In fact, it said, and I forgot that part right there, it said cortisol, a hormone linked to stress, can cause increased inflammation in the body and narrow arterial walls. Wow. So, yeah, to combat, combat office stress, experts recommend standing while on the phone, okay. meditating, and going for quick walks. Employers also need to do their part to make sure the office is a tension-free zone. Right. Ours is a tension-free zone, don't oh, you think? Oh, sure. For yeah. sure. <laughs> it's way laid back around here. Hey, I remember, though, one of my jobs, and I won't say where, it was not a tension-free zone. And that was difficult. I mean, we had a, a man in there that was very, very difficult to work with. I think nowadays he would have been fired. But back then, he made it miserable. That yeah. was hard. And those are not t- but fun times. Some of, it was a newsroom, I imagine. Uh, yes. And you get deadlines, and yes. people start putting pressure on people to, to hit certain marks. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, turns into that stress. That could be very stressful. Very stressful. Very stressful. <laughs> Cortisol. Do you buy organic food? I do not. In 2013, so a couple years ago, but the study came out and it says that most people don't know what organic really means, mm-hmm. but that doesn't stop them from demanding it. Not only do the people prefer labels with et- with ethically loaded terms like organic, fair trade, and locally produced, they actually report that it tastes better, even if the label is totally fake. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it says it's organic. It's got to say green too, right? There's got to be right. something green something in there. Something green okay. in there. Uh-huh. Um, the research combined with the results of a 4,000-person survey conducted across eight European countries with three experimental studies. Participants were presented a selection of apple juices, breakfast biscuits, chocolates. The food presented were identical, but some were labeled as eth- or, uh, ethically produced, while others were not. Uh, for people who had reported eating ethically is important to them, they only preferred the labels that were actually mislabeled oh, for the testing word. purposes instead of the food that was actually organic. So or, kind of a, the placebo effect. Yeah. It's just the fact that it's labeled that way. Oh, this tastes so much fresher and better. Much better. Yes. No, I don't because I don't think there's a huge difference between the two. Not really. Like if I I love red bell peppers, if I find one that's organic, I'm not going to pay the extra money because I don't think it's that much better. I just don't. I don't believe that. 
just take it home, wash off the yeah. pesticides, I guess. and you should be good to go. It just seems kind of like it's a, uh, sometimes it feels like an excuse to add more money to mm-hmm. the cost of it. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, how do you, how good of a speller do you think you are? I'm a good speller. You I'm, think so? Actually, I'm quite a. Have quite you a good have you tested it in any way? Or is this just a perception that you have? Well, this is a perception. It was funny because uh, all my boys have been on served missions. And my first two, when they would write home their letters, they would say um, what they were allowed to do. And do you know how they spelled it? How's that? A-L-O-U-D. Okay. I was mortified. Yeah. I went, what? You graduated high school? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot, both, both of them spelled it the same way. Yeah. I thought, where are you getting that from? Yeah, that was really scary to me. I may, I may not be able to spell the words, uh-huh. but I can tell when they're spelled incorrectly. Wrong, okay. <laughs> I look at it and go, that's not right. That's and not right. I, that doesn't oh, you know, look right. So I can kind of police myself yeah. that way. But Now, the best story of the spelling, I don't know if Matt Townsend's ever told this story. I'm going to tell it. I hope I don't get in trouble. But he was speaking at a group that I was at, and he was talking about when he thought he was a really good speller, and it was the school spelling bee in elementary school. So he got up there pretty cocky thinking, you know, I, I know how to spell. And so they said, okay, lion. And he spelled L-O-I-N. And so he was called Loin Boy. Mm-hmm. And I was laughing so hard. I, I, I don't think I heard him for the next couple of minutes. I was laughing so That's hard. That's funny. You could just see Matt telling that cat. You can yeah, yeah, see yeah. him up there going, I know how to spell lion. L-O-I-N. Yeah. Uh, it was great. Oh, Matt, that was bad. So the spelling and grammar mistakes, common annoyance among many Americans. Uh-huh. If you're bothered by the incorrect grammar in uh, the first sentence, Mm -hmm. because it's all messed up. Uh, You count yourself among the 6 in 10 Americans, 59% who say that improper grammar is their biggest annoyance when it comes to the English language, according to a new study. Grammar Gripes, uh, it's called Grammar Gripes 2015, if you want to look it up. The leading outline uh, of mobile resource for everything. So the study also found that 4 out of 5 Americans, 80% of adults, consider themselves to be good spellers. Mm Yet more than 7 in 10, 71% say they often find mistakes in written correspondence from others. Yeah. So people might be better at finding mistakes in others' writings than their own. Punctuation so. is, can be a little difficult, but grammar, I'll tell you the one that drives me crazy when someone says, we was. We was. We was, we was going down the road. Uh, no, that's not how you say it. Now, the, uh, our student producers mm-hmm. that help us with the show, they'll, uh-huh. they'll comment to me that my emails to them are riddled with mistakes. And I go, well, I'm not spell checking. I'm no, just not sending. Spell check. I'm just hurrying. And most of the time it's on my phone. So yeah. it's whatever spell check does on my phone. And but. especially if you use the voice texting. Yes. That can be scary. What comes across, you really have to check that before you hit send. Have you ever done that? And, I, and I some of the words are not even close. Yeah. I, I think I've misspelled a couple words, but never mm-hmm. like the really egregious yeah. type funny yeah. things that yeah. people remember and make fun of you uh-huh. for years. Nothing yeah. like that. <laughs> not like loin boy? Not loin boy. Okay. Are you a good speller, Mike? I am a bad speller. Are you? What's, what's, um, your, what's your biggest flaw? Well, the, the thing is I, I speak a few different languages, and so it's hard. I can't sound out words in English. Hmm. Um, what other so languages that, do you speak? I speak Swedish and Finnish. Pig Latin. Really? See, Swedish, yeah. that's my background. I'll have to have you speak to me on, on Swedish someday. Well, Swedish, I can't speak it very well. That's but, a but, hard one. you know, reading in the that alphabet is way different than mm-hmm. English, and mm-hmm. so I can't. I can't do it very well. So after learning those languages, it made yeah. it more difficult. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. Well, there you go. So uh, apparently what it comes down to is four out of five adults consider themselves to be good spellers, but actually that's probably not the case. <laughs> that's probably not. Pe- people yeah. have a better a sense of what they think they are rather than what they yeah. actually are. And so next time when you're allowed to do something, be sure you spell it. It was phonetic, A-L-L- right? A-L-L. O W E D. Thank you very much. I know that was so funny when I'd read that. Like, 
telling my husband, how, how did they both get this one wrong? See, I think spell check has made us worse. Oh, because so true. In many of the programs, just used, right. I just spell things phonetically and then mm-hmm. let the let the program fix it. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't know, just kind of <laughs> hash this out. Oh, there we go. Or I throw it into Google, right? You know, and you're able to to be able to pull it out that way. I don't know. It's <laughs> it, se- it seems like a misuse of all that information that I use Google as a spell check. Yeah. I should use it, you know, try to make myself smarter, learn things, and but no. Right. Okay. Well, we're going to do a better job of that. And hopefully when Matt gets back, um, he can tell that story a little bit better than I did because it was quite hilarious. So I, I don't feel boy. so bad about aloud uh, as I did about lion. So, yeah. We'll ask him about what did you say? Loin boy? Is yeah. that what it is? Yeah. What did you just say? Ask, I thought you said, I'm sorry, I thought you said you were asking him about something. Yeah, yeah Loin Boy. Yeah, I'm going to, we'll call and him he'll look Loin at me boy. like, seriously, you no, guys he, talked he, about Loin Boy? <laughs> I can never leave again. I know, he knows that story. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we'll have to have him tell it on Monday. Hopefully he'll do that. Okay, well, coming up, we're going to talk with Rod Gustafson from parentpreviews.com. He's going to give us a rundown of the top five movies for families. Hopefully some good ideas for you to see over the weekend. And, of course, we're going to chat with the BYU Sports guys down at BYU Sports Nation. Football season, just two weeks away. I can't wait. More on the Matt Townsend Show coming up on BYU Radio. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show, everybody. Matt taking the day off today. He will be back with us on Monday. But what a great day, Friday. Gotta love Friday. It's the weekend. Interesting story here, Terry. A spoiled Swiss man with a monthly allowance of $10,000 set fire to his Ferrari so his rich father would buy him a new one. Makes Don't you total, do that? Yeah, makes total sense, total right? Total sense, yes. So you did your Volkswagen bug so right. you could get a new one, right? Okay. He's just trying to upgrade. <laughs> the 20-year-old son of a Swiss millionaire set fire to his $245,000 Ferrari car just so he could get an upgrade. The car was one of 15, including a Lamborghini, which the 20-year-old's rich father had bought for him. The son had also been given a, pro- a property portfolio worth around $30 million and received up to $10,000 a month. Wait, so did he just readily admit this? Oh, yeah. I set it on fire, oh, yeah. Dad. Yeah. I hate yeah. this one. Despite this, all this money, he still wanted a newer car after getting the Ferrari 458 Italia valued. The 20-year-old says he was advised by a car dealer to commit insurance fraud. He hatched a plan with friends to set his car on fire, but to cover his tracks, decided to go over the border to southern Germany. The 20-year-old told the court his funds had run dry by the time of the incident and was not brave enough to tell his father he did not like the Ferrari. Holy cow. Yeah. Spoiled, rotten rat bit. right there. Bit. You oh, could sell man. that car. Oh, oh my gosh. I know. That is, is that crazy? Atrocious. Well, you know, that kind of money is just, uh, that's insane. That's uh, that's next life stuff for me, I think. I think I'll just <laughs> light hope. my car on fire. Yeah. I don't think I've ever Dad, had I that thought. I like this. I mean, yeah. there's, I've had cars I didn't like. Right. I wasn't going to light them on fire. You don't light them on fire. You sell it. Yeah. And you get another one. Right. You find you, you find some one. teenage kid that just thinks it's the greatest thing in the world. I can't wait till you figure this out wow. and end it all. Talk about entitlement. That That's uh, that's scary. Well, coming up in just a little bit here on the Matt Townsend Show, we're going to talk with Rod Gustafson from parentpreviews.com. Can't wait to hear his top five favorite family movies. Hopefully there's one in there that we can 
I'll want to watch this weekend. And then coming up later, we're going to meet the millennials. I can't wait for this segment because we're going to talk about dating and the difference when I dated as compared to them. It's very, very different nowadays. So, I mean, Tinder was wood, you know, that I threw on a fire. Right. Yeah, no, never even heard of that. So, yeah, so that'll be fun. They're going to quiz me and probably make me look quite silly. And then after that, we're going to talk to the guys at BYU Sports Nation Football. Can you believe it? Starts for BYU just two weeks from tomorrow. I can't wait for that. But first, let's go to Terry with the headlines. Washington Governor Jay Inslee says his state is facing an unprecedented cataclysm from the many fires raging across his state. At a Thursday news conference with fire officials in central Washington, the governor praised the courage of the 3,000 firefighters battling wildfires in the state. He says the state was grieving three firefighters killed on Wednesday. The governor says the, uh, the three firefighters were heroes as they were battling to save homes and in the area, the governor says more than 450 square miles were burning in the state this year and increased from about 390 square miles last year. Over 80 wildfires are currently burning across the West. Jimmy Carter, former president, announced, uh, uh, what was it, three days ago, two days ago, he had brain cancer and had a press conference on Thursday as he explained more of his situation. He had a broad smile and upbeat attitude as he told the world about his current health situation. But I was um, surprisingly at ease. You know, I, I've had a, great, a wonderful life. I've had thousands of friends and, and uh, I've had an exciting and adventurous and gratifying existence. So I was surprisingly at ease, much more so than my wife was. As you could probably imagine. The former president said doctors removed melanoma from his liver and found a, uh, four small tumors on his brain in the process. Later Thursday, he received radiation treatment. He also began receiving injections of a newly approved drug to help his immune system seek out and destroy cancer cells wherever they may appear. So, whoa, uh, good luck to him. Anchor babies uh, is, a, is a term that's in the news now. Jeb Bush, Donald Trump are both talking about the U.S. immigration problem, specifically the concern that some have with illegal immigrants entering the country and giving birth so that their kid will become a U.S. citizen, and that will in turn help the parents in the process of becoming citizens themselves. Bush and Trump are using a term anchor baby, which is considered offensive by some groups. Fellow candidate Marco Rubio's parents fled Cuba and didn't become citizens until four years after he was born. He agrees with Trump and Bush that this is an issue. There's a legitimate issue embedded within this debate, and that is you have people coming to this country expressly for the purpose of having children. The debate started over an issue called birthright citizenship granted by the 14th Amendment, which accounts for an estimated 300,000 children born a year of illegal immigrants who become automatically citizens of the country. But that's in the Constitution. And what's interesting is I've heard both sides. There's one side that will say that absolutely the Fourth Amendment says, you know, you cannot have anchor babies and someone else who says absolutely you can't. It's interesting. Yeah. I don't know how you can read that. I don't know. There's very two very different uh, debates on that. And so to uh, w- one group's thinking, yeah, it's possible to change it. Well, mm-hmm. there's a process to change the Constitution, much, but yeah. it's one of the most difficult Very things difficult, you could possibly yeah, do. Right. So it seems like a, a pipe dream, but uh, it is an issue. It's in the news. Hillary Clinton's campaign disclosures reveal that 316 lobbyists and corporate PACs have donated more than $600,000 so far to put her far ahead of any other person competing for the White House when it comes to lobbyist or pack money. The numbers of contributors more than double her runner-up, Jeb Bush, 140 lobbyist backers, 
making Clinton the clear lobbyist favorite for 2016. While the Obama campaign in 08 and uh, 2012 refused donations from registered lobbyists as part of a poorly kept promise limiting to limit lobbyist influence in the administration, Clinton has long been noted for her ties to corporate interests, particularly on Wall Street. At the other end of the spectrum, Bernie Sanders, one of Clinton's rivals for the Democratic nomination, took in just $420 from lobbyists, while Republican uh, Carly Fiorina and Rand Paul have received the lowest amount of lobbyist support on the Republican side. So it's That's the problem of money and mm-hmm. politics. Right. It's all across the board, all and over the place, yeah. it makes things very awkward at times. <laughs> um, Irish police are investigating the robbery of a man in Belfast by an armed woman wearing a distinctive cow print onesie. No. Detectives are uh, appealing for information. A Anyone has any idea? A woman with a gun in a cow print onesie. Just with the feet. Let us know. Yeah, it has the footies. And oh, my. I'm, I, I envision some sort visual. of like mask hat with a, <laughs> the horns on it. And yeah. Oh, my goodness. He was uh, stopped on the street. She pulled a gun. They took his wallet. She had the cow print onesie on. They jumped, she jumped in a car and took off. So the uh, the local police are like, you know, if anyone has any information, yeah, uh, uh, if you've yeah. seen a woman in sells, a uh, cow print onesie. Oh, my. Maybe for a baby, but not for an adult. Yeah. Okay. Okay, we'll, we'll be on the lookout. Thanks, Terry. Okay, looking for something to do this weekend. Rod Gustafson will join us next. He's going to give us his top five list of movies for families. Can't wait to hear that. We'll preview them all up next on the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Rod, good morning to you. Good morning, Kathy. So last Friday, I remember we talked about Man from Uncle. You gave it a C. How did it do at the box office? It did not do well. It, it had an opening weekend of just a little bit over $13 million. Wow. And consider the rumored production budget on that film was north of $75 million. They have a long way to go. It did, and lukewarm in foreign audiences as well. It's, it made about another $12 million there. But yeah, mm. a big underperformer for them. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think your C rating made people stay away, Rod. Yeah, I, I affected it. <laughs> you it did. You're, a- you're, you're the one to blame. Hey, so you're going to give us some of your favorite uh, family-friendly movies. What do you have for us today? Well, yeah, I should mention the reason we're doing this is there really is nothing for families to go out and see in theaters this week for R-rated movies. So, so yeah, I figured, you know, let's, it's time to hit that big flat screen TV that most people have and put something on there. Let's do it. Yeah, the Gustafson family, we have kind of an eclectic selection of our go-to movies that uh, that we seem to watch over and over. And, uh, maybe I'll go from the serious to the silly and uh, kind of do it more, although, yeah, I kind of do it more in that order. Okay. One of our favorite movies has been Lilies of the Field. And, of course, this is the film that Sidney Poitier uh, was uh, nominated. In fact, I think he won Best Actor back in 1962. And this movie won Best Movie in 1962. And when you watch Lilies of the Field and compare it to movies today that are winning Best Picture from the Academy Awards, uh, sadly, you will see how much the uh, the selection of movies has changed. I think Lilies of the Field is one of the most perfect religious movies there are. And, it, and as you watch this movie r- repeatedly, as I have, well, that's very embarrassing, when you watch it <laughs> repeatedly, as I have, over the years, you start to see the nuances of the many 
different aspects of the of religious commentary in this movie how there's examples of forgiveness there's examples of of greed and of pride and that type of thing it's a great movie to have discussions with your children afterwards mm. wonderful performances so that is one and your kids may say ah but mom this is in black and white it's okay to watch <laughs> yeah there was such a thing so that's okay Yes, one of actually I think this was the last mainstream black and white movie released mm. by the way. Okay. And what did you give that? What kind of rating do you give that? Oh, Lilies of the Field, we gave, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm quite certain it's an A rating from oh, us on that okay. one. There's very little, yes, A rating. Uh, A's in every category. There's really no content concerns whatsoever in Perfect. Lilies of the Field. Okay, what's next? Uh, so another one that's become a favorite in our home, probably my oldest son got us on this. He really uh, loves rockets. In fact, he started enjoying rockets when he was about six years old. He just finished engineering now, and he actually is a certified he to fly high-power rockets here in Canada and whatnot. So wow. this has continued. And a movie called October Sky came Love out. Love that the one. Yep. My, yes. boy, my boys and, loved that, too. That was a great boy movie. Isn't that a great boy movie? Yeah. And you know, I'm glad you brought that up because there aren't, frankly, a lot of great boy movies out there. Mm -hmm. And this one really is. This is a wonderful movie about, uh, it has a great balance of honoring your parents, but at the same time recognizing when it's important for you to step out of that bound and become an independent person as you grow older. And uh, it's also got a wonderful role model for a teacher in it. We don't see that very often mm -hmm. in movies as well. Many good things that happen in October Sky. So again, another A grade on this one. A little bit of profanity in this movie. It's not too bad, but our profanity does fall into a C grade. So parents, a heads up on that. But but really a wonderful, wonderful story. Yeah, I love that one. My boys, we watched that, uh, I don't know how many times on DVD, but they, they really loved that one. Okay, uh, what's the next one, Rod? Another one, this one probably is top of the list for l most under-promoted and highest deserving movie that's come out of Hollywood that I'm aware of. Secondhand Lines. I have no idea why this movie didn't do better in the box office, why they didn't promote it more. It was a film that came out to theaters. It was out for like two weeks and then just disappeared, which is really unfortunate. This movie's starring Michael Caine and Robert Duvall, who are a couple of old guys who wind up taking care of, I believe it is uh, Robert Duvall's character. It's his nephew, who's played by Haley Joel Osment. Haley was, is such a wonderful actor. I say was because he's dealt with addiction issues and many of the things that child stars go through. I really right. hope we see Haley back on the screen again one day. It, Secondhand Lines, just a beautiful movie as well. It's got some great positive messages in it and uh, some really fun moments as well. An A grade from us on this one. A little bit of a warning. There is some cigarette smoking in this one. But other than that, and there is a, there is a bit of a, a, a violent scene. There's a bit of a fist fight that breaks out in one scene as well. But nothing too serious. Was this, you said it was out in theaters for only two weeks. Was this recent? Oh, no, this one's back, I think, 2003. Oh, 2003. Okay. All right. I yeah. thought it was a little ways back. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay, so another great A rating. What, what else do you have? 
Uh, another one that I've always enjoyed, and I know Marcus Smith and I have talked about this on the air before, My Neighbor Totoro. This was a, a movie, it's a Japanese film, and this film was one of the earlier ones that was made by the, that famous Japanese animator who I, his name, Hiro Muzaki, I could never pronounce the poor man's name, but he has made many, many films since then. This is one of his earlier ones. A wonderful family film about uh, a family in Japan who has to move out to the uh, countryside due to, the, due to their father's work and about the kids exploring this home that they're living in, and they find these mysteri- mis- mysterious creatures called Totoros. Hmm. And it is it's just a delightful film. A, just a tiny, tiny bit scary in a couple of scenes, but once your kids, once the scare is revealed, I think that they will really enjoy it. So really good movie in that way. And then um, another one that is also, that's for younger children, and another one that younger children would enjoy as well, Ramona and Beezus. I don't know, Kathy, did you ever see Ramona I have not and seen Beezus? that, no, uh-uh. This I've heard of a, it, but never saw it. Amazing little film that came out in 2010. Again, another one of these tremendously underpromoted films. This uh, stars um, Selena Gomez as playing the older sister before Selena decided to do some things I totally have not appreciated, but she's wonderful in this film. And uh, she plays an older sister uh, to this to um, her younger sibling, played by a young gal named Joey King, who does a wonderful job. And it's just the antics of this younger sister. And, and when I say antics, what's kind of cool about this movie is she never does anything that is, um, in, that is supposed to be harmful or that type of thing. It's not really over the top either. In many ways, it's just very realistic. She's just a rambunctious, eager young child. And a lot of fun moments come out of this and a great relationship, again, with parents and with a teacher as well. A lot of positive role models in that movie. Okay, that sounds like a great one. I think you did you have one more? I have one more. This one's the silly one. The Emperor's New Groove. You know, the Gustafsons, we like a lot of the Disney <laughs> But in my opinion, this one, which has become, it has become a bit of a cult favorite mm-hmm. that many people have forgotten about. Uh, you won't find this one at Disneyland or anywhere else. It seems to be the forgotten Disney stepchild. A really fun animation. This one's probably more appropriate for older teens, not because of content concerns, really. It's just, it's got a lot of jokes that maybe younger kids really wouldn't appreciate, but I just really love the comedy that comes through in The Emperor's New Groove. So if you haven't seen it, it's worth trying to hunt it down somewhere. I'm pretty sure it's on the online streaming services. a look. It's a great Disney animation. Well, those are great films. I'm really happy you brought up October Sky again. That's one I'm going to have to go revisit. It brings back good memories when I watch that. So you mentioned, Rod, there were four R-rated movies out this weekend, which we're not obviously going to go over that. But look down the road. Are there any uh, big movies coming out in the next month or two with big stars that we can really start looking forward to? Well, we we do have some that will uh, that will definitely, hopefully, appeal to families that that I am hoping will come together well. Uh, and let's see, what have we got here? They, I'm. I, is there one with Julia? Ro- what is there one with Julia Roberts that's coming out soon? Did I see that? 
Yes, I think so. And I can't remember the title. We've got the sequel to Hotel Transylvania coming out, which I'm really hoping will be better than the first Hotel Transylvania. Um, and of course, we've got the, the Hunger Games finals coming right. out, this, which is going to have a lot of interest. The Martian is another one that is going to, that a lot of people are saying this one will be this year's Interstellar. I'm hoping it's going to be a little bit better than Interstellar was, but it's getting a lot of traction as well. Uh, another Steve Jobs film coming out, but unfortunately yeah. it's R, and I'm sure oh, it's probably... Language. I didn't know that. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Well, I thought I've seen the previews. I, I, I don't remember that it was R, but I, that looked interesting. It certainly showed a different side of him, didn't it? It did. It did. And do you remember the old Goosebumps book sure. series? Sure, you bet. So popular? Well, there's a Goosebumps movie that's coming out, too, that's timing out in time for Halloween. It's got a PG rating as opposed to a PG-13. So I'm hoping that this will be maybe a good Halloween kids movie. Oh, I'm perfect. kind of holding my breath on that because that doesn't happen very often. But it's so hard to find a rather benign, scary movie, if you will, to show younger kids at Halloween. Oh, and so, so true. Oh, for sure. Well, Rod, thank you so much. A lot of movies to consider for the weekend that are family-friendly. You can find other movies that Rod has previewed at parentpreviews.com and all you need to know about going to the theater or, or looking up on live streaming, as he mentioned. Rod, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Kathy. All right. Coming up, we'll chat with the guys down at BYU Sports Nation. And then coming up next, one of our favorite new segments called Meet the Millennials. Caitlin Thomas and Kaylee Danes will quiz me on dating. Can't wait to hear what they think about dating in this day and age. That's coming up next on the Matt Townsend Radio Show. Townsend Show. Matt's off today. He'll be back on Monday. And one of Matt's favorite segments is called Meet the Millennials. And I get that great opportunity with Caitlin Thomas and Kaylee Danes. Hi, ladies. Hello. Hello. Okay, so I just saw this uh, on the on the web today. It says millennials are apparently getting their news from Facebook. 64% of U.S. millennials, 18 to 34, regularly read or watch news online, including 66% of African-Americans, 65% Caucasian, and 53% Hispanics. When it came to getting their news, you guys say you rely heavily on Facebook. Is that true? Facebook. I don't really do Facebook anymore. Don't Twitter, you? definitely. Twitter. That's you where get all your my news, news on Twitter. Is oh yeah. yeah Facebook, Caitlin, same thing. Facebook and Twitter. Okay. Twitter, it's that fast. They give you those first couple of characters, mm-hmm. and if you're interested, you click on it and read it. If you're not, okay. you can skip over it. So you need it quickly. You're you're wanting something that grabs you quickly and read it instead of you're not going to an NBC exactly. News wa- website or a CBS News website. Well, that's website. like what you're following. You're okay. following all But this. you're getting it through mm-hmm. Twitter. Yeah, and yeah. then they link it to their website. So if you're interested in the first couple of lines, then mm-hmm. it'll take you to the website. So you say you don't really do Facebook anymore. My sons have said that same thing. Is that kind of fading with millennials? I don't know. For me, at least, I just don't really care. Yeah? <laughs> you don't care I, about other people or what? Probably. You're sharing your life with other people? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I like Instagram. I, uh-huh. I just like very simple and clean. I don't mm-hmm. need, you know, like need all, all that other stuff. I say on 
finding, you know, the right chocolate that day. Yeah, I dang. think the only reason I'm on Facebook is because all of my friends are getting married. And that's where okay. you find out about that's their you engagements. Follow it. Oh, interesting. Okay. Speaking of all that stuff, you have to date before you get to that point. <laughs> and that's what we want to talk about today, right? What yeah. about dating? What do you guys, when I say dating, what do you, what, what comes to mind? Oh, what does no. dating mean? I think I'm the worst person to ask. Caitlin has a boyfriend, so okay. she should start. <laughs> start, Caitlin. Well, that's almost not fair because we have been dating since we were just in junior high. So oh, wow. it's different. But okay. um, I don't know. I think dating is something that becomes exclusive. So I think you can go out on dates with multiple people. But uh-huh. to have that status quo of dating, you've been out multiple times and you've established that you have some sort of relationship for, with each other. Okay. It seemed to me in high school with my boys, it was always hanging out. Yeah. It that was Kaylee. That, okay. <laughs> tell us how that works. Um, I think... Dating to you means hanging out? Well, I think it's hard for me. All of my friends are males. I have probably two friends that are girls just because I don't like them very much. You don't like females. You don't like your own species. Should we be offended, Kathy? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I like them. a lot. I don't know. I don't do stuff with them. And so Mm -hmm. all my friends are guys. And Mm -hmm. so my parents have a really hard time knowing who are my friends and who do I actually have an interest in. And so when you say your boyfriend, you're saying a friend that's a boy. If I use that term, I guess so, yeah. Okay, okay. And then And then it gets hard because if there is a guy I'm interested in, it's, I usually do the exact same things with him that I'm doing with my guy Your friends. Your friends, okay. So I'm always just hanging out. You know, I know it went from, you know, kids didn't want to date um, just, you know, single dating without group dating. And now mm-hmm. it's become mm-hmm. such group dating. It's almost like I'm not sure they know how to date individually. It's like, <laughs> come on. Yeah, it's a generational thing. I think it we is. love... I don't know so much if we're just we don't want the idea of feeling vulnerable or mm-hmm. to, to, to a certain person. So we just, hey, will you come hang out with me and I'll, we'll decide if we like each other. And then if we like each other yeah. while we're hanging out, then we'll go on a date. But that's kind, yeah. of, how, it's kind of how it's been established yeah. now. Yeah, that's so true. My son, my middle boy, he, was, he had gone out with a girl that I thought was dating about four times. He goes, yeah, I think we're going to go on a date now. Yeah, those no, are what just were one the other on three or four times? Yeah. <laughs> oh, those one are one-on-one on one on one hangouts. hangouts. Yeah. Okay, Very then you different. get to a point where, okay, the big D word, now dating. Now you date. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, what you guys have some questions. Well, we wanted to ask okay. you what dating was what like. What dating was like? How did you meet your husband? Mine was a lineup. A lot of t- a lot back then we'd like line people up. Like a police lineup. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I just he just was in a, you know a ten person lineup and I hey yeah I'll go for him. So he's number cute. seven. Like yeah, that. Number, he's seven. number seven. <laughs> number seven. Step forward into the lighting place so we can see you better. <laughs> no, it was funny because I, I was actually dating a guy that you just knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. So I lined him up with a friend of mine and he lined me up with oh, that's my husband. Is that weird? That's yeah. A really good way to get rid yeah. of the guy you don't like. So, exactly. Yeah. Hey, this isn't going to work. How about I line you up with someone gonna, else? Yeah. <laughs> so I think a lot of that was lineups back then. Yeah. But what is this? Okay. Tinder to me is like oh putting gosh. wood on a fire. Okay. What is Tinder? Well, I, I, I know what it is, Tinder, but you guys tell me what it is. Didn't the last board get Twitter. married? Jason, he got married off of Tinder. Tinder. Yeah. I have a friend, her daughter's very serious with somebody off of, uh, really? off of Tinder. I Do you like Tinder? Funny. I think Tinder is a great resource. It's great if you know how to use it. If you know how to use it. So if what, would you swipe right or something? If you're interested in them. Give it to Mike. Okay, Mike, give it. All right, here's Tinder in a nutshell. Okay, Tinder, yeah. So basically, (laughs) it's an app that you download on a mobile device. Right. It shows a picture of someone right. uh, that they select that pulls from their Facebook okay. a photo, and they can put, put up to five photos. Okay. It shows their first name and their age, any mutual interest that you have on Facebook, and mutual friends. Okay. And so you can go through, and then it gives them an opportunity to write a little bit of something about them. Okay. Hi, I'm Stacy. Uh-huh. I go to the University of Utah. I'm 23. I work at Starbucks, something like that. And so you can just kind of look at that and be like, oh, you know, that seems like a nice person. And if you... Sw- 
swipe, swipe the, the to the right to the right. Okay, and if they all, then you'll come up in their feed. Uh huh. And, your and if profile, they like it, they swipe to the right. Then it makes it a, a match. match, and then you can start communicating. And then the Tinder starts. Then that's okay, when Tinder the starts. So that's start the basic going. idea. Interesting. And, uh, you know, the problem with it, though, is it doesn't filter anyone. It pulls everybody in your oh. your geographical area, and so you get people that you'd like, and then total creeps. Yeah. You know. Right. So, so it just it doesn't filter. You're yeah. the filter. Okay. How about dating online? You guys do that? No, I no? never have, but no. I know quite a few people that do. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're having a hard time meeting people. I feel like. Our generation, we don't spend a whole lot of time talking to each no, other. No, that's the you thing. Know, we don't we don't go up to somebody and say, "Hey, how are you doing? I right. want to get to know you." It's it's kind of over the internet. Yeah, I feel like we, we're, we must be really scared. And then well, well, with all the texting, you guys don't communicate. Right. Yeah, that's right. what I was gonna say. Even if you do meet in a more organic mm-hmm. setting, not online, mm-hmm. it's immediately that all that pre dating <laughs> jitters is done through text. Yeah, and you're just oh, like, "That's sad." I think you guys you a little gotta, bit. Yeah. I don't know though. No, I feel like I'm much more witty. Through writing, you are so. because you're not afraid. Because <laughs> they can't see you, right? Yeah. So they're like, say. wow, she's really awesome. She is awesome. Let's swipe to the right and <laughs> no, see if no, she'll. No. no, okay, I'm joking. No, okay, <laughs> what else? Well, we were talking about me and Kaylee. How for us, we are not officially established in relationships until mm-hmm. the status goes on Facebook. Oh, for example, so right. This, this kid that I'm dating, he's my boyfriend, and but he just got home from serving an LDS mission, and we started dating right after that, and. We had pictures up on the internet, but nobody really understood that we were together. And so boys were still asking me out via Facebook uh-huh. until I changed that? the status, status to in a relationship. Is in a relationship. So how did that work when you guys, when you were dating Kathy, how did you establish that you two were together and how did people understand that? Well, not having social media and everything out there, you know, you I mean, not a lot of people knew. Do you know what I mean? So right. you guys just have so many other ways of getting the information out there. Um I don't know. We just, I don't know. That's a hard one. We just dated, and if someone else came out and asked you out, you'd just say, you know what, I'm, I'm in a relationship, or I'm serious, and, you know, no thank you, or, yeah, I don't like the guy I'm dating with. Sure, let's go out. I mean, that's all it was. It was just talking, and that's the thing. You guys don't talk. <laughs> we talk plenty, Kathy. But it's just over <laughs> through a screen. <laughs> yeah, through a screen, and no one so can see you. I talk to people in real life. But so when, yeah. Over the phone or in person? All of the above. Okay, that's good. We still, we still see each <laughs> my friends, <laughs> the people I actually want to see. Uh huh. Right. You will see. Yeah. See, social media has totally turned this whole thing upside down. Seriously, it is so different yeah. and complicated. And but sometimes I think in a lot of ways it's easier for you guys. I mean, social media has made a lot of things a lot easier. In some ways, yeah, yeah I would say yeah, so. But it does. Then there's also the... Um, then it's really annoying at the same time, Things can though. get really skewed mm-hmm. through text message and social media. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times you see couples arguing over text message, and so nobody's getting the right idea. Right. Or then they start tediously shaming each other through social media, you uh-huh. know, posting a selfie and saying, all by myself because my boyfriend's too busy with friends tonight or whatever. Oh, my so goodness. These, there are some problems with it that are Very a little much. bit yeah. hard to overcome when you... You're not reading someone's text right, and so you think they're being rude, mm-hmm. and they thought they were being funny. So you did you? Who was the first one to put in the, the in a relationship on Facebook? You or your boyfriend? Well, or you was, both kind of did. We I asked him. I said I just got asked out again via Facebook. We should probably change the status, and he was like, 
Yeah. Okay. Sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> See, I just I don't get that. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I don't either. That's so. I don't like all people knowing my business. Yeah. I well, that's Facebook. Well, that's why you don't like Facebook. For two years, and we haven't put it on. Facebook. See, and I wasn't See, really. To. Is it a serious relationship, Mike? Yeah, it's very serious, but it's just kind of like it's your uh, thing. So don't bug me. Yeah. I wasn't yeah, going to do it either, yeah. but then it just I was well, so tired constantly asked out. Well, you're Miss Lehigh. Yes. Right. Okay. Yes, so beauty you're a pageant. beauty pageant oh my person. Goodness, yes. So you are getting asked frequently. So you would have to do that. So yeah, it was kind of getting to the point where I was like, I don't want to keep telling boys, "Well, I have a boyfriend." Mm-hmm. Oh, I had no idea. So sorry. And yeah. So, right. So, so you just answer. Just, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. See, I don't have that problem because I don't brush my hair. <laughs> there you go. And uh, <laughs> so when you don't brush your hair, because see, today is Men's Grooming Day. Oh, I should have listened. Yeah, to that. but maybe on Monday we'll make it Women's, women's grooming, grooming Day, and you can comb your hair. I literally don't own a brush. Kathy, really? Kathy, we need helpful. to bring in a brush for you. Oh <laughs> yes. See, and you have long hair. See, the thing, nice thing with me and short hair is it's really easy to manage. Well, longer hair would probably be easier, though, to be honest with you, right? Because it's straight. Who knows? wash it. (laughs) (laughs) Kaylee wouldn't know. She doesn't have hair hair. problems. Okay, men out there, Kaylee needs a date. (laughs) Guys, she's so cute. No, she's darling. Yeah, super cute. Super cute. And we'll get her to comb her hair. (laughs) And then the dates will be nonstop. And then we'll put in a relationship on On Facebook. Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saving that until I'm married. I feel like that's when you okay, can and then engaged. you put it on married. Yeah. When you're engaged, you won't even you're put married. engaged okay, on I'll there. Put engaged, but that's that's the line. Not okay. Until that's then. A, no crossing. Okay. That line. Yeah. Well, I, I do feel badly for you, ladies, that you have to <laughs> deal with this social media stuff. And and what, Kate, Kate, uh, Kaylee, I'm going to find your boyfriend. Okay. And uh, we're going to set you up. How's How about you just line, make a lineup? That'd let's, be good. Let's do a, let's do a lineup. lineup. Let's bring. I'll just go out. I'm going to go out on campus and get a bunch ten guys and line them up, and you can pick whoever you want. Done. We got it. Okay. Here we go. I'm going to have Matt pick him out, actually. We'll have oh, Matt no. pick him out. No, no. <laughs> I trust no? okay, sorry. Oh. Okay, Caitlin Thomas, Kaylee Danes. Thanks, ladies. What a fun segment called Meet the Millennials. Matt will get the opportunity next Friday to do it and hopefully be a little bit more embarrassed than I was today. Okay, coming up next, we're going to go down to BYU Sports Nation, talk to the guys about BYU football. It all starts two weeks from tomorrow. This is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Kathy Aiken filling in for Matt, who will be back on Monday. And this is my favorite part of the show. I don't know about Matt's, but I love to toss it down to the guys at BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan, how are you guys? We are fantastic. What's up, Kathy? Awesome. Hey, so we had Erica Grover, an MMA fighter from Utah, on in the last hour. The Utah and Ron, uh, yeah. Ronda Rousey? Yes, yes. Nice. So anyway, my question to you guys, how long would you last in the ring with Ronda Rousey? Oh, a second and a half. <laughs> I'd climb over well, that wall. Well, it'll take her longer to run to you, so... I'd climb over that wall. You would? Yeah. Spencer? I'm out of there, man. Spencer? I would probably sprint around as fast as I could. Wouldn't she, you, though? She, yeah. Two seconds, she gets Just you. to say that like, I lasted longer in the, in the <laughs> ring with Ronda Rousey than any other fighter that she's faced. Oh, she's amazing. She is amazing. It's usually over within seconds, so I think I'd do, I'd do that, too. I would just run around. and But, you know, she once she grabs you and she puts you in the arm bar, then, you know, you're, you're done. Toast. Forget yeah. about it. See ya. Okay, guys, so BYU football, two weeks from tomorrow. I cannot wait. Isn't it What's awesome? going on at camp? What's the big story? Well, yes, yeah. Yesterday, Mitch Matthews practiced. Yes, um, yay. Bron- Bronco Mendenhall said for the third or fourth partial practice. 
So we didn't see him in 11-on-11s. So we can only see kind of the last part of practice, mm-hmm. last 30 or 45 right. minutes. Mm-hmm. But he got in on uh, what we think was 7-on-7s. Seven and on the first play, Taysom Mill threw him the ball, of course, and he scored a touchdown. Wow. So That's a good it, sign. It seems like he's in, in good enough shape. I think that he knows the playbook. I think everyone trusts him. So I don't think he really missed all that much, yeah. to be honest. Well, he's so good anyway. I guess it's kind of like riding a bike, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Now listen to this quote from Taysom Hill okay. that was released in an AP article yesterday. Okay. As long as I'm playing quarterback, my mindset will be making great decisions and getting the ball out on time. Right. If I'm making the right decisions and doing those things, defenses can do whatever they want. They can blitz. They can drop eight. It doesn't matter. Whatever they do, they will be wrong. Oh, I love that. Now, Gotta love now that confidence, huh? Yes. Now, that got a lot of run yesterday afternoon. That was that was in an AP article. Mm-hmm. So he's saying this to a national writer. So he's very confident, and that's great. I think people believe that Taysom Hill is a really good player. And if he picks up where he left off, yeah. which was a 67% passer, BYU can be in business. Absolutely. And we'll break this down coming up, but BYU has one of their best receiving corps they've had mm-hmm. in a while. Yeah. And, and they have two number one type receivers. They've got a lot of guys with good hands. They have up-and-comers. We think they have about eight guys wow. that are pretty good. That's great. I talked to Taysom yesterday. It was interesting. I talked to him about, you know, obviously the second straight season-ending injury. What's going to change? And he said that a couple of plays that were meant for him to run have been tossed out of the playbook and hmm. and that he will be passing more. So, But I think, didn't we kind of talk about that last year after the first season-ending injury he would pass more? I don't know. Do you think it's really going to change? I think that it will change because he, Jason Beck, the quarterback's coach, kind of said something along with what Taysom has been saying, and that is if he understands defense is better and he's getting the ball out quicker there will be less plays that turn into Taysom can make a play with his legs just because he's getting rid of the ball quickly right and he's more likely now as a senior than to do that when he was a sophomore it's right, just been sure. two years later I think he trusts his arm he has a good arm mm-hmm. and he was he was averaging and uh close to 100 I believe yards per game rushing before he uh was hurt last year but do I think it's going to change not as much as I think People yeah. think. Right. I, I think agree. he is yeah. he is what he is mm-hmm. and he's an elite runner right. and a pretty good passer. Yeah. Hey, and also what about the the basketball team, the BYU men's basketball team over in Spain? Well, apparently they braved like a 100-degree gym yesterday. Wow. 40 degrees Celsius. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Rose was yelling at the refs in English. They didn't under Andrew May, the basketball operations guy was translating in Spanish. Um, but the, yeah, they're 2-0. I don't know who these teams are exactly, but BYU's looking solid. Kyle Davis uh, is probably the most consistent player so far. Kyle Collinsworth almost had a 5 by 5 That is wow. five of five different categories. Yeah, wow. He was only two blocks away from yeah. that. One of our Impressive. guests today will be assistant coach Tim McClum uh, live from Spain. Apparently he's on the bench, uh, the beach in Valencia. So. Oh, rough life. You know. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, good. Is this, is, this, is this something, these kind of things they do, is this, is this more for them to give them an opportunity to see parts of the world, or is it really ready, getting them ready for the season? Both. Yeah. yeah I think it's, yeah. it's a collegiate it's experience. Yeah. You know, uh, it's a good it, selling point, right, to the recruits? Yeah. yeah. And it, every, every team can take a trip once every four years. And this same team, Albacete Basket, uh, lost to Nebraska's men's basketball team by three a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Iowa State uh, was in Spain as well. Actually, they had a bunch of dudes get sick. I think they canceled their fourth game. Wow. So careful what you eat. Yeah. Okay, guys, I know we got to let you go, but tell us what's coming up on your program today. Okay, so along with the Taysom Hill confidence, we're going to address the biggest question marks on that BYU offense, and the clear one is with no Jamal Williams. Right. What can the running back core do mm. without 
really their emotional and statistical leader in Jamal Williams. Right. So is it going to we'll be ask, by committee? Is that what they're going to do this year? Kind of, it's kind of what it looks like. I yeah. think Algie Brown is the designated number one running back, but mm-hmm. behind him there are two or three guys that are also expecting to, to see some looks. So yeah. makes you a little nervous, but it uh, since Taysom Hill is an elite runner, you, I would right. think you have to put him into the category, that category and see what you get. And right. it's not like BYU is just turning and handing to a running back. There's this spread option, right. uh, you know, and there's an option for the quarterback to run. So mm-hmm. I don't. I, it's a huge deal that Jamal's not uh, Williams isn't oh, there, yeah, but big time. I think the BYU has some good options around him, and that'll be kind of the focus of part of the show is. How confident are you in BYU's offense right. in the 2015 season? Yeah. Okay, guys. Sounds like a great program. We'll be listening. That's BYU Sports Nation. They'll be up in just a little bit. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, Kathy. Okay. Well, now we want to go to our hero of the day. I love these stories that uh, we try to do at the end of every day. Angela Shemansky was driving late one night with her five-year-old daughter, Lexi, and four-month-old Peter in the car. They were headed home when Angela could feel herself beginning to drift off. Haven't we all kind of felt that way? She told herself she would pull over at the next town and get some rest before finishing the drive home. But unfortunately, she didn't make it there. The SUV traveled down a 12-meter steep embankment and crashed into a tree. Angela was knocked unconscious and suffered a broken neck and other head injuries. But the five-year-old Lexi woke up to the sound of her brother's cries and noticed something was definitely wrong. Adrenaline must have kicked in as Lexi unlocked the five-point harness lock on her car seat, opened the car's smashed passenger door, and climbed up the mountain's steep embankment barefoot. Now, this decision turned out to be a miracle as Lexi was able to flag down two people, and one of them, can you believe this, was a paramedic. They were able to help Lexi's mother and four-month-old brother get into the hospital safely. Although all three passengers in the car were seriously injured, Angela is grateful for the mature and quick actions taken by her five-year-old daughter. Five years old. Well, the place the car landed was nearly invisible from the highway, and therefore Lexi, had she not escaped and climbed up the mountain, the family could have been killed. What a hero of the day. Lexi Shemansky, just five years old. Way to go, Lexi. Also, an interesting uh, story on this. I don't know if you're a dog lover, but after four years of searching, a U.S. Army specialist has been reunited with the partner he spent every day in Afghanistan, Donna, a six-year-old Belgian Malinois. I hope I'm saying that right. Donna is a retired tactical explosive detective dog, or TED, and Tyler Roberts was her handler while deployed in southern Afghanistan in 2011. Well, together they uncovered hundreds of pounds of ammonium nitrate and in the process formed a close bond. Roberts came home in September of that year, and he told USA Today that he tried to follow her career so that he could adopt her after she was retired. But for some reason, he couldn't get a straight answer as to her whereabouts. Well, it turns out that Donna and 10 other Teds were adopted by an unlicensed private contracting company, then dumped at Mount Hope Kennels in Richmond, Virginia. The dogs remained there for 15 months before being turned over to the United War Dogs Association and Mission Canine Rescue, a group with the goal of reuniting handlers and soldiers with their dogs. And through those organizations, Roberts was finally able to find Donna, and they were reunited Wednesday night. Roberts said, I owe her my life. And I intend to spoil her for the remainder of hers. Isn't that an awesome story? 
Is that right? Did I announce? Have you ever heard of a Belgian? Is it Malinois? You know, I'm it a, looks dog like a German guy, Shepherd, but, but, but I have no idea how to say that. Yeah, M A L I N O I S. I don't know. I Malinois. hope I got that right. That yeah, right. what a beautiful dog. Can you see that picture? Isn't that a beautiful dog? Yeah, it looks like a German Shepherd. You know, it's amazing when you think of those dogs, really, what they have to go do out there and sniff out and, uh, you know, find bombs and things like that. I'm so glad they were reunited, but he uh, unfortunately had a very difficult time uh, trying to find her. Another funny story. I think we can all relate to this, Mike. Do you use Siri? Do you have an iPhone? Yeah, I do. Okay. So an 18-year-old Tennessee man pinned beneath his truck was able to use the iPhone's virtual personal assistant, or Siri. Do you have you used her in an yeah, emergency yeah, before? Yeah. Okay, not an emergency, not an emergency yeah. but just to get directions or something. Okay, Sam Ray was working under his truck July second when it slipped and fell on top of him, trapping his arms. Ray yelled for help, but no one was around to hear him. That's when he heard the familiar sound of Siri in his back pocket. So he had pocket dialed her. Ray says he was never a fan of Siri before because he was always going off at the most inopportune times, but this time he realized she was there to help. I said, call 911. The dispatcher initially thought it was an errant call, but Ray finally got his message across. He kept repeating his address until help was on its way. He suffered broken ribs, a damaged kidney, and burns from the exhaust pipe but is expected to fully recover. Wow. Isn't that great? That's I mean, whoever invented Siri, that is just, I mean, great. I think that is so great. Well, I, I'm glad that it went through because a study came out, you know, this was two years ago, but Siri only works a third of the time. Really? So, yeah. So you know, I, I've, I've had times where it say, I'm sorry, I cannot help you yeah, right now or something. I complete yeah. that request. Yeah, exactly. Really, that's true. Just yeah. a third of the time. Yeah. Well, huh. so they've gotten better when okay. that study come out, mm-hmm. came out, so it's gotten better since then. But yeah. But uh, that's amazing. Yeah, it is that's frustrating. Cool. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I can't remember where I was. I asked for an address somewhere in Linden, Utah. That's where it was. But it spelled it wrong, L-I-N-D-E-N instead of O-N. Yeah. And so it kept going, I cannot find this. And I thought, Linden, Utah, I mean, that's a place. Right. But I couldn't find it. It drove me crazy. Have you ever – do you use it for restaurants? Find me this restaurant? You know, oh, gosh, I've been so frustrated with Siri, I have kind of stopped Have you using, really? yeah. You're done I mean, with it's her? convenient sometimes when I'm trying to say, hey, you know, give me this number. But usually I just – it's quicker and I can type it out and get exactly what I want. Right. You can type uh, it out quicker than asking her. Yeah. Boy, I can't. Maybe that's the difference, right? Huh. Okay. Well, interesting. Siri, I love Siri. She gives me a lot of good information and hopefully she's, uh, she's uh, up and running and doing a better job than that. So anyway. Well, that was a fun day. Friday here on the Matt Townsend Radio Show. Matt is off today. He had a wedding to go to this morning. Hopefully it was a, a wonderful event and he gave him a good gift. You think of Matt's, Matt's a good gift giver? You know, I think the gift that Matt usually gives is his presence and his humor. And his time. So. There you go. That's worth it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we talked about yesterday whether you're a good giver or a good taker. Matt's a good giver. So hopefully it was a great a great time for the uh, the bride and the groom. And hopefully all of you will have a wonderful weekend. Go out and... Uh, Maybe give a little random act of kindness this weekend and see if it doesn't make you feel a little bit better. Anyway, have a great weekend. Once again, Matt will be back on Monday in the big chair here on the Matt Townsend Radio Show. You're listening to BYU Radio.